well. Glad you're here tonight, guys. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Thanks, Dad, for bringing your sons. Thanks, for sons, for showing up. Um, those of you who had a choice, that is. Um, so, we're continuing tonight our series, the men's meeting this, this uh, year, the focus on uh, being men of God, uh, learning how to manage our time, manage our finances, manage our hearts, manage our character well. So 1 Timothy 3, which are the qualifications for eldership and for deacons, is the main text that we're sort of driving out of, coming out of for this series. And so Michael spent some time there. Um, but let's go ahead and read that. So why don't you um, open your Bible real quick and we'll look at that just for some, some context. This saying is trustworthy. Actually, you know what? I'm going to just going to direct you towards uh, verse 7. So chapter 3, verse 7. These are kind of the heart. This is just going straight to the heart of what it is, that, why it is that we want and care about this series and, and specifically tonight on time, why, why this matters. And he must be well thought of by outsiders and of the faith so that he may not fall into disgrace and be caught in the devil's trap. And then... Uh, down a little bit further, the uh, verse 3, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good, good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith. And so the summary thought there for those two things is that we don't want to be men who don't meet these qualifications, not because we all should be elders or all should be deacons, but because if we don't meet these qualifications, we are in danger of falling into disgrace and being caught in the devil's traps. And because there's a blessing that comes with it as well, and that is he who does meet these qualifications and serves faithfully finds himself in good standing and has boldness in the faith. So that's why we're here. That's why Mike is teaching us about time, time good why, why good time management matters, because we don't want to fall into the devil's snares, be thought of as ill, bring repute on, on the name of Jesus, and because we want a blessing that comes with that. So without any further ado, I'll hand it over to Mike. How's that? There we go. First Timothy 3, about managing your own household well. And so um, the Greek word for manage uh, means to preside or rule over or give attention to or direct or to practice diligently. Um, so we have taken some of the areas of life that we think all men should rule over well. Um, so our next meeting in February, Benjamin will be teaching on managing your heart well. And the first, our Proverbs 4 says, watch over your heart with all vigilance or diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So we want to manage our heart well, our inner life. And then in 
Later in the spring in May, Luke is going to talk to us about managing our finances well, because the Bible has a lot to say about stewardship in terms of our finances. And this evening, we want to discuss managing or presiding over or giving attention to how we use our time. Um, you know, we all have different types of money um, and talent and skill and giftings and intelligence. You know, there's a lot of smart, gifted guys in this room. Um, but one thing we all have every day is the same amount of time. And before I start, I want to encourage us all that regardless of your season of life, this, manner, this, man, <clears throat> excuse me, this matter of managing our time is really important. So maybe you're, we have a lot of young and single guys here tonight, um, and maybe you have lots of time. Uh, maybe you have actually too much time on your hands, right? It's like money burning a, a hole in your pocket. Um, or maybe you're older, maybe you're retired, um, and you're, you're in that same category. Or it could be you're in the opposite situation. You know, you're married, you have a bunch of kids, you have a demanding job, you lead a ministry team, um, and you feel like you don't have any disposable time, right? There's, there's disposable income, you know, money that's left over at the end of the month that you can spend any way you want. There's disposable time, too, and you feel like, I don't have any. It's all, it's all accounted for, right? Um, you know, for each one of us, the goal is still the same. We want to be good stewards of what God has given us. And that's really what this whole teaching series is about, managing well what God has entrusted to us. And that's going to look a little different for each one of us, but regardless of your situation, his will, God's will, is that we manage our time well. So our focus tonight is not just how to be efficient with your, with your time. That's important. But there's actually something greater than just time efficiency per se. You know, our focus tonight is using our time to bear fruit in our lives. You know, fruit that glorifies God. Fruit that will remain for all eternity. You know, R.C. Sproul famously said, right now counts forever. You know, how we use our time is eternally important. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit for help. Lord, we do thank you for the gift of time that you've given it to us, and you call us to use it wisely and for your glory and for the good of others. So Lord, would you breathe upon us with just the illumination of the Spirit and just your wisdom so that we might grow wherever we're at in this area, that we might grow and become more fruitful and wise and godly in how we use our time to the glory of God so that we can hear at the end of our life, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Well, my three points are, one, what is the Bible, the first one, what does the Bible tell us about our time? Second, what wisdom does the Bible give us concerning time? And then third, third area is just some practicals about managing our time. So, you know, in section three, you know, one of my points will be that we need to learn from others. So each week, I, I have a planning meeting for my own personal life, and I usually begin it by taking five minutes or so um, to, review, to review a Google Doc that I, I've put together. And it's, it's really a summary of what I've learned from others, as well as my own observations about planning and being a steward of, of time. 
Um, and so I review it so that I can help remind myself and integrate those truths into my life. So that material includes, um, well, it includes material and quotes from men like John Piper, Donald Whitney, C.J. Mahaney, R.C. Sproul, and most recently, Tim Challies. A lot of what I'm going to share with you has been influenced by these men. Also, I've, I've asked three men in our church, Travis Sasser, Ben Garner, and Matt Knoll, for their input on managing time well. I could have asked a number of you men, but those are the three guys that came to my mind. And it was really encouraging because the things they shared really um, were right in line with the burden I had and what seems to be, um, from what I've read, kind of the core of biblical wisdom concerning this matter. So what does the Bible tell us about, about time? Well, it tells us that it's been given to us as a stewardship. We are to use it wisely and as in all things for God's glory. You know, stewarding our time well is about being productive and faithful in the important areas of life, right? Uh, the important areas of life. You, you know, you might have a bottle cap collection. Uh, that's great, but that's not one of the important areas of life. So, uh, stewarding our time is being productive and faithful in the important areas of life. Jesus said in Luke 12, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household. You know, I think that's a good definition of stewardship, being a faithful and wise manager of what God has given you. You know, we often think of stewardship in regards to money, but for the Christian, all of life is stewardship, including our time. This is what R.C. Sproul has said about that. All my time is God's time, and all my time is my time by his delegation. He has given me a measure of time over which I am a steward, and I will give an account to God for how I stewarded my, stewarded my time. So I think this is a very biblical way of looking at our time. In a sense, it's our time, but it's the time that God has given to us. And we will give an account to the Lord for how we used it. In Psalm 90, which I think is the only psalm that, that Moses wrote, it begins with a focus on God's eternal nature. And so in contemplating this, Moses begins to think about the brevity of life. He's comparing God's eternal nature to man's 70 or 80 years. Hopefully. You know, we can't, there's no guarantee to that, but, um, you know, and Ben, Ben Garner mentioned this to me, that the brevity of life and the need for wisdom is one of the two important principles that he thinks about when it comes to time management. He said, God has prepared good works for us to walk in. Therefore, we should have, we should take very seriously that we must use it, that we must use well the limited time we have. So the brevity of life. And in verse 12 of, of that, that psalm, Moses prays that the Lord would teach us to number our days. And that word number, in, in Hebrew, that includes the meaning to reckon. That is to settle accounts. You know, in, in, we're going to settle accounts with the Lord on how we used our time. So we, we should pray, Lord, teach us to number our days. Help us to be ready 
for that reckoning. So in light of the brevity of life, we want to be aware of giving an account of how we use our time. Now, as gospel-centered Christians, we want to view this accurately. We want to view it biblically. You know, oftentimes that, that involves handling two truths at the same time. Right? It's, like how, it's, it's like handling two weights. Like if you drop one of them, you, you go crooked, right? And you don't walk on the level ground that God wants us to walk on. And so those two truths in terms of time, what, the first one is that we should live all of life quorum Deo, which means in the light of God, in, in the sight of God as well, in God's light, in the sight of God. And that's, that includes how we use our time. It's an awareness of who God is and who we are. However, however, this does not mean that we should do so in the fear, in fear, or in legalism. Nor should we think of our God as a hard taskmaster, but as a gracious, loving, and merciful heavenly Father. But we should remember, we will give an account of our lives to this gracious, loving, merciful heavenly Father. You know, think about a man who, who owns a thriving business. And this, this man is a Christian. He's a godly man. Um, you know, he's in his 60s. You know, he's, he's a young man. Um, and he decides, I'm going, to, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to take my wife in for a month, and we're just going to kind of tour around. And all his children are in the business. And so he just basically says to them, you're going to run the business while I'm away. Don't call me unless it's an absolute emergency, right? So even though, if you're one of his kids, even though this man is, is godly, he's, he's kind, uh, he's wise, you're going to have to give an answer to him when he gets back of how the business is doing. And that's how it is with God. We will give an account to our Heavenly Father of how we lived our lives and how we used our time. You know, one way to view time is that when each, of us born, when each of us is born, an hourglass is turned over, and the sand starts pouring through there, right? And that represents the time that God has allotted to us. And I'm looking at Gary Rule, and he and I know, like, we're very aware of that. Like, the sand is going through that hourglass. But that's true for each one of us. Now, we, we don't want to look at that legalistically or fearfully, but we do want that to motivate us to live purposeful lives. Ephesians 5 says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So how can we use our time wisely and make the best use of it? Well, that's my second point. And this is going to be um, where most of the information is. It's going to be a longer section. And then in the third section, we're going to have some uh, practicals. So how do we use our time wisely? Well, first of all, we're called to do all things for the glory of God. You know, that's always our starting place for everything, right? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So how can we use our time in a way that glorifies God? Well, I think it's important to understand that glorifying God in our lives does not necessarily mean doing big things for the Lord. 
but being faithful in the areas of responsibility that he's given to us. Mother Teresa once said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. I just love that quote because it, it, it combines those two things, that being faithful in the little things that are big things will change the world. Um, we, you know, maybe they don't change it globally, but they, they change our world and they glorify God. <clears throat> Faithfulness is a big deal in the Christian life. Faithfulness in the important areas of life. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 23. He says faithfulness is one of the weightier matters of the law. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Faithfulness is one of the weightier matters of the law. It's important. It's very important for the Christian man. Thayer's lexicon says faithfulness, it means it has to do with the character of one who can be relied upon, a faithful steward. Paul told the Corinthians in his first letters, his first letter, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now, Paul is talking about apostles there, but it's true for all of us. As stewards of what God has given us, we are called to be faithful. And we should allow the weight of that to motivate us in, in a good way. So using our time wisely in glorifying God is very much connected to using it primarily in the areas that God has given us to serve him at the present time. Not necessarily in the future, but right now where you're at. And that's really important for young men. You know, I know you aspire to, you know, marriage and uh, maybe a better job um, or whatever, but it's faithfulness in the area of, of, that you find yourself now. And that's true for men as well. You might be in a job that you're not too excited about, but God calls you to be faithful there right now. And, th and those important areas are primarily found in our families, in our relationships, in our vocations, our church, and our ministry. Travis quoted, uh, when he sent some things back to me, he quoted Peter Drucker as a time management consultant, and he said, first things first, last things never. Um, he said, we have to say no frequently to very good things of a lesser priority. And that, that's part of the calling of Christian men, right? You know, our culture doesn't want to do that. Our culture is made up of guys that are in their 40s still playing you know, hours of video games, right? That's okay maybe when you're a teenager. Uh, maybe not hours, but, but when you become a man, you have to focus on the important things and say no to things that are not as important. Ben wrote, wrote a similar thing. He said, we must, we must learn to recognize the difference between what is important and what is merely urgent. They are not the same. For example, relationships, especially family, church, and friends, are important, but usually don't have an urgent task associated with them. 
contrasts many things at work that are urgent but won't matter much, if at all, 5, 10, 20, or 30 years from now. If this contrast of important versus urgent doesn't have a place in a man's thinking, I think he won't prioritize the right things and will one day regret how he spent his time. And so, you know, Bennett also mentioned the need for wisdom. We need wisdom to figure those things out. And we need a regular time of review and evaluation and adjustment to figure those things out. I will talk about that in, in the third point. But in the parable that Jesus told in Luke 19, about, it has to do with servants who were given amount of money and they were, they were supposed to use it until the master came back. And the ones who did well, they heard this from the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. So this, this defines success for the Christian. So we should take an audit of our lives and ask, am I being faithful in the areas of stewardship that God has given me? The second way that we can use time wisely is through diligence. We should be diligent in the important areas of life that God has given us. And so for Ben, this was the second principle that really guided him in when he thinks about uh, productivity and how to use your time. It's just the importance of diligence. Diligence is defined as marked by care and persistent effort, hardworking, industrious, and tireless. Now, I'm speaking to a room full of hardworking, diligent men. But we should ask ourselves, are we being diligent in all the important areas of life? In the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, which that's a great book to read in terms of how to spend your time and the things that influence how I should use my time. But in the book of Proverbs, diligence is referred to often. And here are a couple areas that it calls us to be diligent in, besides our vocation. You know, oftentimes we think about being diligent in our job, and we should be. But there's some other areas that we should be diligent in. One is seeking God. Proverbs 8.17 says, Those who seek me diligently find me. Are we being diligent in the spiritual disciplines? If knowing the Lord is the most important thing, Remember the Westminster Catechism, right? The chief aim of man is what? Enjoy or glorify God and enjoy him forever. So it's knowing and enjoying God. If that's the most important thing, then am I being diligent in seeking and knowing him through the disciplines of prayer and fellowship and, and being in his word? Secondly, am I being diligent in discipling my children? Now, this is not from Proverbs. This is from Deuteronomy 6. It says, And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. If you have children at home, men, remember the sand in that hourglass is coming through that, right? And I don't say that to 
put worry in your heart, but it should motivate us. We only have a certain amount of time with our children. And regardless of their age and their spiritual condition, be diligent to discipline or well, to discipline them when they're younger, but to disciple them. Even if they're maybe not a Christian at this point, reach out to them. Seek to connect with them. Be disciplined in reaching out, caring for your children. Third area is planning. We should be diligent in planning. Proverbs 21.5 says, <clears throat> The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But anyone who is hasty comes to poverty, or everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. So we should be diligent in our planning. So a question to ask is, are we being diligent in all the important areas that God has placed you in? A wise and faithful steward is one who works hard at it. Another way to look at diligence is to see the temptation of being the opposite, which is being lazy. You know, Proverbs has much to say about the sluggard. And this is not to condemn us, but to help us. To help us identify and put to death the sluggard within. Right? He lives within each one of us. You know, my friend Dave Burnett, he used to tell me, Mike, I'm so lazy. I can remember saying to him, Dave, you're the hardest working lazy man I know. <laughs> but Dave was onto something. He realized, he had self-awareness that there were certain areas in his life that he was lazy in. And that's true for us. And we must seek out that sluggard within and seek to kill him. You know, one of John Piper's he has a list of productivity, and one of his points is kill half-heartedness. Or, and that's, that's part of killing the sluggard. So what, is the, what does the Proverbs tell us about the sluggard? How can we learn from it? Well, the sluggard is lazy in little things. Proverbs 6 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Therefore, we should look to be diligent in little things. See, we are faithful in the big areas of life by consistently doing little things. We are faithful in the big areas of life by consistently doing little things. James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. It's New York Times bestseller. He's not, a, as far as I know, a Christian. But I think through common grace, he's really tapped into some important aspects of wisdom. And one of the things he, he wrote is in that book, he says, success is the product of daily habits. And I, think there, I think there's truth to that. I'm going to adjust it a little bit for us tonight and say, success for the Christian man is the product of daily or regular habits of doing the little important things. Success is the product of daily habits or regular habits of doing the little important things. So here's some examples of that. Um, 
one-on-one -on -one time with your kids. You know, my, my son-in-law, William, um, he has this thing where one, on his day off, each week, one, he has five kids. So each week, one of them gets to go along with him as he runs errands. You might think, wow, that's not, that's not a big deal. Yeah, it is. They, they were excited about it. They also get to choose what they get to do with dad during that day, like do something fun with him. But just think about that. If he consistently does that over time, month after month, year after year, he's going he's to establish that relationship with his children in a loving way, and he's going to have time to care for them and to disciple them and to talk, as it says in Deuteronomy 6, about the Lord. Um, here's another example. I was talking to Bo after our last um, men's meeting, and, and Bo is Bo's the CFO of his company. And he has like 30 people that um, answer to him, that work for him. And he was saying, you know, some of these people I hardly know, and I, I want to you know, represent the, well, the Lord well as a, as a Christian leader in my company, but it's hard to do. But then he said, so my plan is that each day I'm going to pick one employee and spend, you know, a few minutes just engaging that person in conversation. And again, think about that. If he does that consistently every day or three or four times a week over a year or two years, what has he done? He's, he's a more effective manager, but also he's a great example of a Christian leader and serve it in his company. And he's going to have probably time, opportunity to minister to those people. So doing the little things consistently leads to big things. So are you faithful in spending time with your children, with your wife, or other significant people in your life? Maybe there's a young believer at work who you could reach out to and befriend. But this requires scheduling time with, with them. And if you don't plan it, often it won't happen. We talk about planning, but so it, it's, it, it, it involves planning. The good news is that meaningful change does not require radical change. Meaningful change, that's what James Clare says, says, meaningful change does not require radical change. Now, let me put a little asterisk there. If, if you're... If you're in an area of moral sin where you're repenting of that, yes, there, there's radical change needed in your life, okay? But I, that's not what he's talking about here. We're talking about our, our schedule uh, and how if we make small changes, we can see productivity. James Clare says, disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower and self-control. That's good news, isn't it? Because that keeps, you know, that, that idea of I have to radically change my life keeps most of us from doing anything, right? So when it comes, for example, to discipling your children, if you come up with a complicated, difficult-to-pull-off plan, you're probably going to fail, right? But if you say, hey... Every night after dinner, we're going to read one chapter from the Gospels and then discuss it. Or every night, we're going to take 15 minutes and go through 
one of the shorter catechisms. Um, again, that's a little thing, but if you do it consistently, you'll be discipling your children on a regular basis. I'm not saying that we should set a really low bar, but I am saying that we should set the bar where we can keep jumping over it on a consistent basis. <clears throat> the sluggard within us loves to make the soft choices. At work or at home, we often take the easy task instead of the important hard tasks that need to be done now. Know this. Busyness does not equal diligence or productivity. You can be a busy, lazy person. We want to be diligent, productive men in the important areas of life. So too often we go with the flow instead of thinking, what needs to be done here? What changes do I need to make here? See, don't live life on cruise control. The productive Christian life is one of actively hearing, actively thinking, and actively doing the important things. If you make a to-do list each day, then at the top of that list should be the most important things, which a lot of times are the hardest things. But you should tackle them first. We are all aware of the sinful power of procrastination. Oftentimes, it's fueled by an unwillingness to make the difficult decisions or talk to the person we need to, we need to talk to to get it done. That's laziness. You know, before Nike, there was a man named Alexander McLaren, who was a Scottish preacher, and he said this about undone things, things that we haven't gotten done. He said... Undone, they stand threatening and disturbing our tranquility and hindering our communion with God. If there be lying before you any bit of work from which you shrink, go straight up to it and do it at once. The only way to get rid of it is to do it. Now, I don't think that's a categorical statement, but there's a really good principle there <clears throat> about things. And I think a question we should be asking ourselves is, what am I putting off that I should be doing, and why? Why am I putting it off? <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, <clears throat> now, one of the ways that we do get wisdom from using our time well is to ask for it, to ask for it. We are in deep need of God's wisdom. We should regularly ask and expect to receive God's wisdom. So let's look at this, this passage from James 1. I know it's a familiar passage, but don't let its familiarity keep you from rejoicing in the promise of God. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. See, faithfulness and diligence are part of biblical wisdom when it comes to productivity, but so is the mercy and grace which freely comes from God as we ask, from it, for, ask for it. 
God gives grace to the humble, to the one who is dependent on his mercy and grace. There's a preacher in the 19th century named Charles Bridges, and he said this about involving God in your life. He said, it's nothing less than self-idolatry to conceive that we can carry on even the ordinary matters of the day without his counsel. He loves to be consulted. Therefore, take all your difficulties to be resolved by him, by God. Be in the habit of going to him in the first place. Before self-will, self-pleasing, self-wisdom, human friends, convenience, expediency, before any of these have been consulted, go to God at once. Consider no circumstances too clear to need his direction. In all thy ways, small as well as great, in all thy concerns, personal or relative, temporal or eternal, let him be supreme. Now, we don't want to be legalistic about what he's saying, but hear his heart, right? Hear his heart. As Christians, we have a relationship with the living God who is acquainted with all of our ways. You know, we talk a lot about the sovereignty of God, but we often think of that as like a big thing, right? And it is a big thing. He rules over all things. But it also means he is intimately aware of our life and all the details of it. Don't give in to unbelief that because of your smallness that God doesn't know or care about what's going on in your life. We are all small. But part of the glory of the gospel is seen in that God cares about us. You know, through the work of Christ, we are his children. He is our heavenly father who loves us and knows even the hairs on our head. So open up your life to God as Charles Bridges encourages you to do. Invite him into all your decisions. Regularly call upon him, even in little decisions. Charles Spurgeon said, I always feel it well, he wrote, to put a few words of prayer between everything I do. You know, for myself, you know, one of those prayers that I just felt led to pray on a regular basis um, it's just this, I'm going into a meeting, I, I feel my need for God, and I just pray, Lord, go before me. Father, be with me. Holy Spirit, abide after me. It's just, it's a little prayer, but it's a prayer of dependency and, and ask for God's help. Asking for wisdom and faith also helps us with indecision. You know, I think one of the enemies of productivity is indecision, which can paralyze us. We should learn to ask for wisdom, do our due diligence, do our fact-finding, and then in faith make the decision. The sluggard is afraid to make a decision. And remember, there's often no perfect decision. Don't allow the perfect decision to keep you from a good decision. Praise God for the perfect decisions when they come, but be content with good decisions. In a very important way that we learn to use our time wisely is to do it through the eyes of the gospel. 
under the shadow of the cross. Our acceptance in Christ should free us to work diligently, knowing that we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. And that even when we fall short, we are still secure in a relationship with God. It's one of the things that Matt wrote. He said, remember that every day is a new day and a gift. Just because I was not as productive as I should have been yesterday or last week, or was procrastinating or lazy, God is faithful to forgive us and give us the grace and power to steward our time just as he does our words, our money, our talents, and our dreams. A disciplined mind and heart help to lead a disciplined, fruitful life. Also, we should remember it's not just what we do that's important, but how we do it. So just in terms of time management, the fruit of the Spirit is very important. Joy and thankfulness should mark how we use our time. You know, time is a gift from God. What a blessing that we have been given a a dominion mandate. You know, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the creation order. Yes, we struggle because of the weeds and the thistles that are here because of the, the fall. And yet, it is a joy to live in this world and be given time and things to do. And we should be thankful for the time and the task that God has given us. And I think the writer of Ecclesiastes had a good track on that. Here's two passages. He says, in the first one, there's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also... I saw us from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? And then in the second one, I think he really captures well what it is to live in a fallen world and yet still have wisdom. He says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. All the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol. Now, our ultimate joy is rooted in the work of Christ. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the judge is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That is our ultimate joy. It's rooted in that. And because of that, we should be happy workers, grateful workers. Whatever station or season of life we're in, whatever tasks we have been given to do, we should be happy because of the work of Christ. And finally, in this last section, or this section, let love be a motive for how you manage your time. Let love be a motive. Not just efficiency, but love. David Mathis wrote, let love for others be the driver of your discipline, intentional planning. It is love for others that fulfill God's law. Sanctifying our time Godward will mean spending it on others in the manifold acts of love.
Well, there's much more that we could say about this area. I want to be conscious of how we use our time, even though I'm running over. First of all, I want to encourage you to be a lifelong learner in this area, being a faithful, um, living a faithful, productive life to the glory of God. Now, that's both, both Matt and Ben mentioned that. They mentioned that it's, still, it's a work in progress. And they're, they're learners. They want to grow in this area of how, how to do that, how to be productive for the glory of God. So I, I did mention a couple books. Let me mention again that, that I found helpful. Um, one is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Another one is Stephen Covey's um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Just recently read um, Tim Chalice's book, which is excellent. It's called Do More Better. Um, and I think that's actually, of all the books, a good one to start because it's, it's only about 100 pages. It's a very easy read. He's got a lot of um, kind of time management stuff with technology that I, it's above my pay grade. Um, if it works for you, that's fine. But all his other stuff is really excellent, and it's in a short book. Um, ben mentioned a, a bigger book, which is called What's Best Next? How the Gospel Transforms the Way You Get Things Done by, Mark, um, by Matt Perman. And you, may, you might think, I don't have time to read. And if that's true, then maybe think about getting an audiobook and listening it to it at work or at other times. So how do we practically use our time well? Well, it starts with planning and scheduling. I think the first thing to do is find a time in your schedule to regularly plan and manage your time every week. Um, everybody's schedule is different, but I found that either Sunday night or Monday morning is a good time for me. And I would just encourage you, to, if you can, set aside um, you know, 30 to 45 minutes or, or for that time slot, if possible. If you only have 15 minutes, then do that. But I think um, you know, 45, 30 to 40 minutes is, is better. So that's a big deal. If you can get that in your schedule. Okay, once you do that, there's a number of things that you can do once you have set a regular time in your schedule. Um, the overall goal is to be a faithful and wise manager of your time. That's the goal for that time. Um, and that's going to look a little different for each of us. Um, find what works for you. Uh, but, but again, the, the, the goal is, to paraphrase Stephen Covey, the goal is to keep the main things the main thing. The main or important things the main thing in our life. And one of the things that you want to hone in on is what some call your roles and goals. So roles, R-O-L-E-S. Um, and to identify those roles, do what you, you should do what Tim Challies calls an audit of your life. Um, and I won't go into all the spe- specifics, but in general, it's just defining the, the important areas of responsibility and stewardship that God has given you. Um, and then once you do that, then you identify the task and the projects that, are, that fell, fall underneath each one of those. So in, in, his, in his book, Tim Challies has five areas of responsibility. His are personal, family, church, social, and business. You know, maybe you'll label yours a little different, 
but for most of us, that, that's going to be pretty close to ours, right? You might add one, um, one or two. So, for example, <clears throat> in your family, your role might be husband, or it might be a father, or it might be a son, or maybe it's possibly a grandfather or a brother. Um, but we're really looking, what are, your, what are your primary family roles? And for a lot of you guys who are, who are married, it's I'm a husband and I'm a father. So then eat, for each area of responsibility or roles, then you come up with goals for each one. Now, before you get overwhelmed by, by you know, doing that, remember my little mantra. We accomplish the important things in life by consistently doing little things. So, here's an example. If your goal as a husband is to love and lead your wife, um, maybe you set the goal of, hey, three Fridays nights, we're going to go out together just as a couple. On the fourth one, you go out with your girlfriends or do whatever you want, and I'll stay home with the kids. Um, or maybe you decide you're going to read a book together. But set an an easy, simple goal that you can do consistently over time. And something that's easy to do. James Clear talks about that in his book about making your habits easy to accomplish. So if you said it, hey, every Friday night, we're going to do that, you don't have to think about it too much, right? It's set in your, in your schedule. Or if every night after dinner, we're going to do this. Or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Make your goals easy, your habits easy to accomplish. Oftentimes, we don't set these goals because we seldom take the time to think and plan. And that's why having a regular time of planning is important. So for each area in your life, you want to know what your role is, what your responsibility are, what the goals are, and then what, the, what is the action plan? You know, it doesn't really help to say, I want to be a good dad. Well, great, everybody wants to be a good dad, right? But what does that mean? Um, and then maybe you say, what, you, you, you say what it means, but if it's not connected to your schedule, again, it's not going to get done. So you start with the area of responsibility. What are the goals? How are you going to accomplish the goal? You know, Travis communicated to me that how you spend your time reflects your priorities. So it should be subject to regular reflection, prayer, and evaluation. And if you don't have a regular time to do that, it, it probably won't happen. You know, Travis also mentioned um, 1 Timothy 4, where Paul says to watch your life and doctrine closely. So his connection was doing this is a way of watching your life, managing your life well. And Matt stressed the same thing. He said, setting aside time of reflection, wisdom is looking ahead and mapping out my daily actions that align to faithfulness in God, my God-given rules in light of eternity. Without reflection, my natural bent is being re reactive on urgent but not important task. And Matt mentioned another thing that you can do in your planning meeting. Write it down. He said, write down 
Why do I want to be a fruitful Christian and faithful disciple? Why do I want to pour into my kids and wife? This helps to engage my emotions and desires and makes it easier to progress to how I'm doing weekly, daily and weekly towards these outcomes. He said, for me, answering these questions from time to time helps to bring focus and be circumspect of how I'm spending my time. It adds clarity and focus to how I'm spending each day, each week. So this planning time that you have each week, it's not just for planning, but it also is for reflection and encouragement to keep on doing the things that God has called you to do. I think it, it, it fits into what Stephen Covey calls sharpening the saw. Right? Jim Martin used this illustration last year in our men's meeting. Like, if you have a saw for cutting wood in your yard and you never sharpen it, it gets pretty hard, right, to, to, to get through that wood. You have to sharpen it. We have to sharpen ourselves. And having a planning meeting is a way of refreshing yourself and refocusing and saying, yes, these are important things. And we can be tempted to, things, to think that things like prayer and fellowship and discipleship and ministering to the needy aren't that important. And they're not to the culture around us. We must remind ourselves of the internal importance of them. Like if you're, if you're caring for like an older parent or relative, that's an honorable thing to do. That is, remind yourself of what it says in James 1. That he says that pure religion is what? Caring for widows and orphans. But we have to remind ourselves of the important things because the world, the flesh, and the devil are telling us something else. All right, I'm wrapping it up, guys. Sorry. Once you set up a regular time to plan and review, then you can fill that time with a number of helpful aids to productivity. I encourage you to have a notebook, either a physical actual notebook or a Google folder with documents, maybe some other technology aid. But remember, remember the KISS principle. Keep it simple, saints. Right? Keep it simple. Keep it doable. And in this meeting, what are you doing? Again, you're reviewing your calendar. You should know what's coming up, right? You know, we've all been in that, that situation where it's like two days before something's happening. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I can't do that. I have a conflict, right? We should be looking ahead, looking ahead, managing our time well. Um, you can accumulate uh, plan important activities, vacations, getaways, one-on-one -on -one times, um, there's, 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 for me, there's certain non-Christians that I'm reaching out to. I have to plan that or it won't, it won't happen. Um, accumulate helpful information in regards to growing productivity. Add to it and seek to integrate it in your life. Be a learner. And then set and then review your roles and your goals. You know, evaluate what's going well and what isn't. You know, learn to look in the mirror by having an honest, humble evaluation of how things are going and how you can improve them. How are you doing at spiritual disciplines, at sexual purity, at leading your family, your ministry to others? How are things going financially and health-wise? Be a faithful and wise manager 
of your life, a steward. But none of these things will probably happen if you don't set a regular planning time. Just saying. There are many other things we could discuss, including practical tips. Um, Tim Chalice has 10 tips in his book to help your productivity. They're good, it's good stuff. Travis, Ben, and Matt, they had other things to share that we didn't get to. I invite you to talk with those guys. They're good examples. And thanks, thanks for listening to me tonight. I, I want to take, I think we, I have some discussion questions. So let's take the last maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And um, they're going to be up there on the screens. There's three of them. So just break up into small groups and talk about that. But let, let, me, let me close us up in prayer for this time. Lord, thank you for these brothers and for their attention. Lord, help us. We want to be, we want to hear, well done. And we know that starts by just being faithful each day. And so I just pray that each one of us would grow in wisdom and diligence through your grace through the encouragement of your word and God's people um, and through the spirit of God working in our life. Help us to be men who live productive lives for the glory of God. Amen. Thanks, guys.